Mike Goldberg, the voice of Bellator MMA on Spike. Join us right now for MMA FanCast. Hello and welcome back to MMA FanCast, brought to you by Octagon 24-7. I am your host, Ryan Middleton, and I am joined by the living legend, Jim Sahara Mooney, once again. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a big episode of MMA FanCast, a landmark episode, if you will. It is episode 5-0, episode 50. You guys have put up with us for 50 episodes now, and I am happy to say that we have quite a show for you today. We are going to take a look at the what, what's, what lays in store for us for the rest of what are the big fights that are left this year in 2017? How are we going to close out this year? We'll, we'll look ahead to what the MMA world has left for us. And also, in this very special episode, we are going to talk with, well, I had the opportunity to sit down and talk with Scott Clymer, who got, who made his MMA, his pro MMA debut, I might, I might add, his pro MMA debut, he got to debut in Bellator, and so not many people get to say, "Oh, yeah, I I turned pro and, and had my first pro fight in Bellator." But Scott Clymer got to do that, and not only do that, he he won in convincing fashion. And so we we had a chance to talk to him. We have that interview for you, and also we have Octagon Twenty Four Seven's favorite fighter. He is he's uh, always been very kind. one of. Well, I would say oh, he's my favorite because he he would he wants he really wants to beat the crap out of you, and so that bring it on, bring it on. That's what makes me like him so much. Um, Dominic Mazzotta, who who also had a fight at uh, Bellator one eighty six, same same night as Scott Clymer. He uh, he was the headlined the prelim card and um did a an absolutely fabulous job um one of the most dominating victories both of those guys just completely dominated we have both of them here for you tonight on mma fancast ladies and gentlemen my man jim ceremony what's up what's up what's up i i am excited to hear both those inter- interviews. You know, we've talked to Dom a number of times. I'm definitely excited to hear uh, how your interview went with Scott Clymer. I was able to hook up with him on Facebook and Messenger. And um, just what I've seen out there, what we saw in the ring, um, in the cage, this guy um, seems like a good guy, and I'm anxious to hear what he had to say. Yeah, he's a he's a real good guy. He was real excited, and he just has a – he's just <laughs> – Really excited to be doing what he's doing and kind of came unexpectedly, and we'll hear more about that. But I want to talk about what MMA has in store for us for the rest of this year. Um, First, this weekend, I mean, so, Jim, I wanted to talk to you about this because this is something we've kind of talked about. Kelvin Gastelum has a fight. He was originally supposed to fight Anderson Silva, and then Anderson Silva could not stop 
injecting or, you know, putting drugs into his body. So he is no longer on that card. Michael Bisbing jumps in. See, I like challenger Michael Bisbing better than I like champion Michael Bisbing. I, yeah, I agree. Challenger Michael Bisbing jumps in the cage at the drop of a hat. Champion Michael Bisbing wants to fight the lowest ranked guys he could possibly find and, and try to hold on to the belt. But anyway, Kelvin Gastelum, Michael Bisping. I know Kelvin Gastelum. I know this fight's in China. And actually, the main card starts at 7 a.m. in the U.S. And I know they don't celebrate Thanksgiving in China. But, but Kelvin Gastelum's American, and he is going to eat on Thanksgiving. And he's going to I, – I, I'm just saying. I'm just mm. saying. He's going to have to weigh in at some point, and I would not be surprised if Kelvin Gastelum struggles on the scale. Yeah, I thought you were going somewhere else with a prediction. Um, but, yeah, he, he has struggled in the past to the point where he's like, you know what, I'm not even coming down, guys. That, uh, that scale is not going to be flattering to, uh, to my waistline. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to get <laughs> on the scale. New York, New York City. UFC 205. Yeah, it, I mean, it was only the biggest fight card in, you know, MMA history or close to it anyway. Um, so that is, that is uh, this upcoming Saturday morning, um, which is a kind of a cool – I, I, I kind of like that. I think I'm more inclined – to watch more of the card because I can get up early and just start watching some MMA before like the day kicks off. It'll be, that's, I mean, there's, a, there's a couple other fights on there um, that I'm interested to see, but um, I know we're not getting into predictions on this, but it's, this is an interesting matchup for me. Um, not two that I'd ever, you know, pictured um, facing off against each other, but um I'm anxious to see this fight. Yeah. So you, you said, I know we're not getting into predictions, and then it seemed like you still wanted to give one. No, I mean, I will if you want, but um, I don't know if we have time for it on this show. Yeah, I don't think we do to right. have time to get into predictions. But I'm going to – my one, <laughs> my one <laughs> prediction is Gasolum, um spends some of his money on Michael Bisping, about eh, maybe 20% of it. That's my prediction. He does not make weight. Just going out on a limb here. It could be. I, I didn't even think of the Thanksgiving factor. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I think they figured, hey, if we send him to China, he can't screw that up. He doesn't, we don't even celebrate Thanksgiving in China. Calvin Gastelum will. Think, but, okay, I don't know if he's ever been to China before, but I'm just going to you know, talk from uh, my point of view. I've never been to China before. If – if I was going, this is my first time, I would definitely want to sample the food there, authentic Chinese cuisine. And this guy is, you know, is known for having trouble making weight. You know, there's got to be temptations that maybe are going to be in his way. Maybe they're planning on this fight taking place at 205 instead of 185. Or, you know what, at very well could be something in the works uh, where they've got 
both I, I camps talking. No, no, but I'm just saying, you know, it could be that it might end up being a catch weight because you, if you if never, they, never know. Right? Yeah. If they drop that fight, that, that card is, is a bust. Oh yeah. I mean, from the set, I mean, well, for the Chinese fans, it's fine. Mm-hmm. But for the for the U.S. audience, I mean, I, I, I mean, let's be honest, they're not really catering to the U.S. audience anyway. It's only available on on uh, Fight Pass, I think. So it is what it is. Um, okay, so then the next big fights um, are on December second. We have a massive card. UFC two eighteen, I think, is one of the better cards of the year. Max Holloway and Jose Aldo for the featherweight title is the main event. Um, and we got Fra- Francis Ngannou versus Alistair Overeem in the co-main. You got Henry um, Cejudo, Cejudo and Sergio Pettis. You got Eddie Alvarez and Justin Gaethje. And you got Tisha Torres and Michelle Watterson. That is the main card. And that is a – so, okay, it doesn't have – I mean, it has huge names – but it's not like huge names like New York City huge names. But I think the fights on this main card are right up there with any fights. I mean, these are all guys that are like top five guys. Yeah, just, just take into account the Alvarez and Gaethje fight and where that sits on the card. To, you know, to start off the night, it's the second fight you know, leading up to the main event on the main card. Yeah, Eddie yeah. Alvarez at 205 was the main event and now he is number two or should i say number he's the four in the four slot yeah it's uh i I really like this card i think it's a a great card and so here's some um that felder fight i did uh so on the prelims Paul Felder is fighting Al Iaquinta, and that is a slobber knocker. That is, it's unbelievable. That's a prelim fight. Yeah, that's uh, that's one way to put it. Slobber knocker. Slobber knocker. And uh, David Tamer fights Drakkar Kloss, and that should be a very good fight. David Tamer, if you remember, he, uh, him, and. Um, Oh, oh, why why can't I think of his name? Uh, Lando Venata had a ridiculously good fight at UFC 209. And uh, Venata is one of my, you know, one of the guys I really look forward to uh, seeing. And Tamer hung in there with him and and won the fight. And it was a great, great fight. So I look forward to seeing him fight again. Um, so, so UFC 218, I believe, could hang in there with any of the any of the best fight cards of the year, as far as Absolutely. like fights. Maybe not yeah. as much star power, superstar power, but f- as far as like great fights, <laughs> right up there with anything. Yeah, and v- Venata is the one who gave Tony Ferguson all he could handle, and if you know, it was, I'd say he was you know, five, 10 seconds from in that uh, first round, ending yeah. that fight. Yeah. And that was a short notice fight for, for, uh, Venata. Mm-hmm. That was his UFC debut where he just shocked everyone and, and gave, uh, gave him all, all he could handle. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I really like, um, I, I expect Holloway, I mean, just going through the card, I know we didn't say official predictions, but just to run through it real quick, I think Holloway retains the belt. I, I really would like to see Ngannou um, last the first, like, four minutes, and I think that it, it becomes his fight. I know that that goes against all um, logic in the sense that, Overeem's more experienced and that should favor him. But I think he, I think his gas tank first four minutes, he has like a lot and then he just wears down quickly. Yeah. This is a fight that to me is it's like a rerun. I've seen it before just with two different fighters. We talked before about, um, I don't want to, I don't know how to, how to put this other than maybe not, not necessarily star power, but the heavyweight division is lacking something. You know, who is standing in, in Stipe's way? That's a real challenge. Obviously, we know anything can happen in MMA, but what's this fight for? Well, and that's exactly what I, I would like. You know, Stipe doesn't have an interesting fight that really gets me going unless it's Nganu. If Nganu wins this fight, then I think that that's, that's a great matchup and something exciting that I really want to see. Anything else, I'm not super excited about. Yeah, he, uh, I did hear a rumor that Stipe is supposed to be fighting um, sometime in early uh, 2018. Um, you How know, early? I thought it was like uh, February, February or March. Well, if he's fighting in March, then that could be against Ngannou if he wins right. this fight. That's only, right. That gives him three months. Um. Yeah. So, Cejudo Pettis, I think, is a great fight. That one's a pick'em to me. I, I, I think either one of these. I think Sergio Pettis is the better fighting Pettis brother. Um, I think. Uh, you know, at this point, yes, yeah, yeah. one hundred percent. Um, Alvarez Gaethje, that could literally be fight like that has. Fight of the night written all over it, and who knows? It could end up being um, – if Alvarez decides to, you know, take him down, then um, it could end up being not as exciting. But if they – they could both slug it out, and that could be just a war. Well, so one thing that he's got uh, going in his favor is he's he's fighting an orthodox um, fighter instead of a southpaw like we saw and heard him talk about um, his fight against McGregor. And he said all through his camp, um, they talked about, um, what was it, talked about going right, going right, to stay away from um, away from his left. Yeah. And, and he went the opposite and moved into his left. So it was actually go left, you know, circle left, and, and he did the opposite. Yeah. Yeah, so, so – go ahead. So in, in, this, in this fight – I, I think you um, hit the nail on the head. What he what he needs to do is use his wrestling and take the fight to the ground where he, you know, he should have success. As much as that is, uh, uh, from a game plan plan standpoint, for a smart fight for him, I think that's it. But if we want to give the fans what they want to see, let's let's just go out there and bang. And that's what I want to see. I, I mean. I don't think that's his best chance of winning, but um, I think that it's he could certainly win as well that way moving on the uh next big fight 
we have is December 16th. There's a UFC on Fox card, and it's uh, Robbie Lawler versus Rafael, Rafael Dos Anjos. What do you call him? Rafael DA or something? Rafael DA, yeah. Rafael DA, yeah. And that's what, that's what he refers to himself as. Yeah. Rafael DA. Yeah. So what, do you, what are your thoughts on that fight, bruh? Uh, I think we've seen the best of RDA. Um, See, I was going to say the same thing about Lawler. Really? Yeah. Well, one of us will be right. Hopefully, we're both wrong, and we see what you said before, just go out there and bang, um, which Lawler is all for that. That's his you know, preferred fight style, or he won't back down from it. But um, I, 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 I think that RDA is – he's got some good fights left in him. I don't think he's um, got – what uh, what Lawler is going to bring to the table that night? Yeah, I think that's a good fight. I think that um, I uh, that, I think it'd go either way. I think whoever's able to implement their game plan will win the fight. I think Rafael dos Anjos has some pretty sick ground and pound and jujitsu, and when he decides the that that should be his game plan, then he's fairly unstoppable. Um, so I would tend to lean towards dos Anjos, but. Um, that would be yeah. That would be my pick. Um, also on that card, this is the card that uh, Jose Aldo was supposed to be on. So I think Ricardo Lamas is still looking for a fight. Uh, so he has no he has no opponent yet. Wait, isn't that Dana White looking for a fight? No, that's it's actually Ricardo Lamas. Speaking looking. of fights, we did pass one up. That's uh, Swanson and Ortega. Oh yeah, well, I mean, I wasn't even going to jump into that because I don't consider that like a, a a huge, you know, a big fight. I mean, I don't think Swanson does either. He's not real happy about it, so oh, it's a chance to headline a card, right? Uh, it is for him, yeah, but I don't think he looks at those situations as, "Hey, I'm headlining." I think he wants to look at, "Hey, I'm fighting for the title." Well. Yeah. What did you say his quote was? I don't remember. Um, something about they must not think I'm all that good or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but who is on that card, who we just saw live and in person uh, in Pittsburgh, is Mike Perry. Mike Perry was supposed to fight uh, Tiago Alves on the Pittsburgh card September 16th, and now he, he ended up getting a late replacement fight uh, against a – you know, a new UFC newcomer. So it didn't really boost him up the rankings. Like he wanted to have that Alves fight. Um, and so he gets a top 10 ranked fighter, Santiago Ponza. Ponzanibio. Ponzanibio. See, I need to hear it before I can pronounce it. No, I, I think you should just go with it. You are much better off when you just, just let it roll. Just let it yeah. roll. Whatever. Whatever, Sarah. Khabib. <laughs> so what do you what do you think of Mike Perry in this fight? I after seeing what he did um to the uh, to the black belt jujitsu guy, it just it was like it didn't matter what what he had. And he even I, I remember uh watching the uh um the open workouts interview and he, he was hoping that this guy was all that they had uh that you know he was cracked up to be. People were really hyping up his 
um, his late fill-in opponent, and he was looking for a tough fight and hoping for that, but he just he mauled him. Yeah. I think he, you know, felled him out for, you know, um, maybe 30 seconds and then figured out, you know what, this guy's not going to bring it to me. I'm just going to take him out. And now we'll jump ahead to the UFC 219 card, which is Saturday, December 30th. It is the final UFC card of the year and their, you know, annual, not, not quite New Year's Eve, but last weekend, last Friday or Saturday night in in uh you know the ufc i don't know why i i think they would have success with the new year's eve card i don't know why they don't do it just do a new year's eve card every one who's interested in combat sports will be sitting around a tv like consuming adult beverages and they would watch ufc i don't i don't understand well i i think it has to do with uh number of pay-per-view buys and with it going past midnight, you know, that, you know, to some people's nostalgic and they don't want to miss that, you know, the watching the, uh, well, maybe, maybe you have an earlier card then. Have right. It, uh, yeah, I agree. 11. Yeah. You know, there's football games. So yeah, I, I, I just, I don't know. I mean, people, you look back at the pride days and pride ran new year's Eve cards and they did, I mean, they did okay. This was before MMA took off, and they did okay in the U.S. People watched it. People got excited about it. MMA, there was really diehards, but I still think that it would be great. Anyway, December 30th, UFC 219. Um, we believe the headlining fight is going to be Cyborg versus Holm, but they could add another fight to that still to be determined if they do or not yeah and is that the uh is that the one that they're talking about ferguson yeah. um possibly headlining yeah I, yeah i I, go ahead. I, th- I think there's going to be a uh another fight added to that i mean that's well, that, that's I, the big card i think that um the fight that they're talking about is woodley and diaz uh that's right uh I did see something about uh, Woodley just said something recently about Diaz being afraid to fight him or something, something along those lines. I, I'm pretty sure Nate Diaz isn't afraid of much, but I don't think it's like a great matchup for him. I think he's kind of struggled with guys that can hold him on the ground and, you know, and, and avoid submissions. So, yeah, I mean, a real strong wrestler. I mean, I don't think he's afraid of him. I just think, it it wouldn't be an ideal matchup for him, but I mean, I don't think he would hesitate to take the fight if the money was right. Yeah, well, supposedly there is um, some negotiations in the works right now, and I mean they're running out of time. You know, on the uh, on the positive side, we know that Diaz is somebody who's he's in he's in fight shape. Pretty much year round, and he's ready. Well, he's to in fight. good shape. I don't know if he's in yeah. fight shape, but um, he's in good enough shape anyway. Um, he can. Uh, I mean, who, who knows? So let's talk about what we know is going to happen, and that's Holly Holm and Chris Cyborg. Some people are calling this the greatest women's fight booking in history. What are your thoughts? 
Yeah, um, this is an interesting fight. Knowing what we know about Holly Holm and what we've seen her do when she's focused, this could be a potentially tough fight for Cyborg. I just don't know if we're going to see the uh, Holly Holm versus Rousey fighter or if it's going to be when she got choked out and lost the belt and see she just strikes me as someone who's like far too passive like she she does not she's she's reactive aggressive reactive yeah yeah so i i um i see you know if she can not take if she can get past that first couple minutes without taking any serious damage, I see that the longer it lasts, the more it favors her. Well, she's got to use her kickboxing skills. That's really what is going to set her up for the rest of the fight. If if somehow she can keep her way with kicks and and set up set her up that way, there could be a positive outcome. Um, but that's going to be key to to keeping Cyborg at a distance instead of. You know, she. I don't think she wants to get in there and do the dirty boxing. Um, I just don't know. Honestly, I don't know that Cyborg has looked the same to me as she did like a couple years back before, you know, massive testing came around. I, I Just her aggressiveness doesn't seem the same. I mean, she fought a soccer mom and she – or like an aerobics instructor uh, – I don't know. Uh, it just didn't seem like she was the same person to me. I thought f- four or five years ago she would have just annihilated that that woman. Agreed. Um, she's not the same fighter, obviously. Time, you know, will take its toll on on you. But it just, I I still see her as she's got that mystique right now. The same thing that that Rousey did for for you know a long time. And, you know, people came to see Rousey for two reasons. One, to see how quick she could possibly end the fight. And then it was also like um, like going to a, a, a NASCAR race. And you want to see, you know, is there going to be a crash? Some type of big wreck. And what's the wreck is, you know, Rousey going to lose? Ultimately, we saw that. And I, I think that, you know, Cyborg has that mystique and – is there anybody that can stand toe-to-toe with her? That's part of the attraction with her right now. I mean, she still is relatively new uh, to the UFC. Yep. Well, I mean, it, it, she, she has superstar potential. they got to figure out how to build her up. And, um, and I think that, that regardless – I think this is a win-win for the UFC. Uh, whoever wins, it's, it's, a, it's a win. It's, it's good for them. Um, moving on to uh, – the next fight, Habib Nurmagomedov, Edson Barbosa. This should be a very Khabib. good fight. Habib. Whatever. Ka. Um, you got Jimmy Rivera, who's still looking for an opponent after Dominic Cruz had to drop out. Carlos Condit, Neil Magny is a great fight. This is another very good card, and if they even add another fight, there's three, six, nine, ten, eleven fights Scheduled on the card. They have room to add maybe another one with that. A very good card. I still think 218 is better card, but they're both very good cards to end, to have uh, the pay-per-views in December. Yeah, well, this card is one of those – this is like the 206 card where, you know, maybe it didn't have the, the name recognition that uh, that was there. 
Um, that's one where we had Cub Swanson and Duho Choi. Um, and it was, I think, three fights in a row where we had guys just going at it toe-to-toe. Um, but they weren't, you know, big household names outside of, uh, you know, the UFC hardcore, hardcore MMA fans. Um, but uh, Kamara Usman is on this one. He's taking on Evan Meek, um, Roundtree, and Gokan Saki. That one, to me, is a pretty interesting fight. Um, and then uh, – I can never pronounce – this is the one that gives me troubles. Is it, is it Diakis? Sure, if that's what you said. His name his- <laughs> His name's Bone Crusher. Like, why would you need anything else? It's Bone Crusher. Right. Okay. He, he's, he's facing off against the hangman, so. Well, I mean, the hangman could <laughs> crush some bones, you know? Right. So, yeah, it, I, it's a good card. I don't know that it's as good as 218, but it's still a great card. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I'm looking forward to the rest of 2017. Mm-hmm. I think the UFC is closing it out well. Um, I don't see any other big fights outside of the UFC. On I don't see any big Bellator fights. I don't see any um, big fights from any of the other organizations. And so, um, yeah, that's it's it's exciting. What the UFC has left is exciting. Um, and so that pretty much runs that out. What do you think, Sahara? I I agree. I think they're finishing off in a a positive direction. Obviously, they they. I I'd like to see another fight added to that uh that 219 card but yeah as it stands right now it's still a pretty good card. So Scott Clymer um what a good guy. I had the opportunity to uh sit down and and talk to him earlier and um you know get got to learn a lot about him and his excitement his joy is contagious. So um let's listen into that right now mma fan cast is here with scott climber who made his bellator and pro mma debut at bellator 186 in state college pennsylvania scott thanks so much for joining us absolutely thanks for having me so scott we uh we saw really uh, a great and dominating performance out of you in your debut how did it feel i mean you you made your debut the right way at the big show it uh surreal still still kind of reminiscent about it a little bit you know i had a uh, bellator just had another event on friday night you know watching it on tv and it was kind of cool because like we were just there you know two weeks ago and uh it was nuts and and um you know of course in the moment you're just you're just wanting to win, you know. You you just go in there trying to think positive, but yeah, it literally went perfect. Every every aspect of it went uh, couldn't have got any better. Yeah. So, um, do you visualize your fights? Yeah, that's uh, it's pretty crucial. Jordan Steiner and and Dan Smedberg, uh, two of the three guys that were in my corner, um, preach it. You know what I mean. It, not eat, sleep, and, and uh, you know, breathe it, but, you know, think about it. You know, think about the situations, and, and drilling is very important. But in college, our college coach said the same thing with wrestling. You know, think about your reactions, and, and when you're in a scenario in a tight spot, what are you going to do to get out of it? And, uh, and then it just becomes instinct, and, and that's what Jordan says. If you think about it enough, you're going to do it without thinking. And um, so everything that we do is repetition, whether we're actually physically doing it or thinking it. Yeah, so, so this was, um, you know, a big show. Most people, um, and by, by most people, I mean almost 
nobody makes their MMA debut in Bellator or, um, you know, they usually start off in a small local circuit and, and they're in front of, you know, 50, 50 guys in a cloudy room. Right. Um, so talk to me about the experience of being at a, a big show and a, at a, a big deal with, with fighters that you've probably um, spent some time looking up to with, you know, like Ryan Bader's and Phil Davis and, you know, talk to me about the experience of it all. Uh, well, again, Jordan, he, he laughed. You know, we get put up in a hotel, you know, they give us a little per diem money, you get a banner, you get a shirt. And he just laughed because he went through the ringer as far as, you know, changing in a, in a broom closet at a high school and fighting in front of 25 people. And he's like, you got, you're getting spoiled, you know. Um, and, and, yeah, being there, uh, cutting weight, sitting in the hot tub the night before weigh-ins and in Rob walks Robbie Lawler, you know, and it's just like, oh, you know, Robbie Lawler, you know? And, and uh, so it's really hard to kind of carry that. Oh, I'm an athlete with you guys too. And not be like a fan. Um, but you know, I got, I got a picture with all of them, you know, and uh, just soaking it up. But um, yeah, it, uh, I'm blessed. Very lucky. You know, uh, the, the way we actually got that to happen, the ball rolling there is I, I went and lived in California for a year and a half in San Jose. And, and I got to know Jana Stoiko, who works with Bellator very well because we merged with her and Kung Lee's gym. And so I got to know Jane on a very good level. And so when I saw online that they were going to be coming to State College, I texted her and was like, hey, is there any way we could get some free tickets or some discounted tickets? We just want to come watch, you know? And, and so her response immediately is, are you pro yet? And I was like, no, still, you know, three amateur fights. And, and she was like, okay. And that's, that's all I heard, you know? And then she kept talking to my, my gym, you know, coach and, uh, and then Ryan Kerwin, who, who runs and operates XCC and, and, uh, and they made it happen. You know, uh, the commission was on board with it. They know we had a good college wrestling experience. And so I wasn't uh, shy to the limelight and uh, the big crowd. So, yeah, it was, uh, it was an opportunity that we realized wasn't going to happen that great again. And it was, it was like, you know, we're all in. That's great. Speaking of Ryan Kerwin, I think you have a, uh, an announcement that, you know, you might want to uh, sp- spread that news right now. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we got another one lined up February 17th. Uh, at the Philadelphia Armory, um, and uh, yeah, we're gonna try and keep keep cushioning that wind column. You know, we uh, we didn't suffer any damage, and you know, like he said, you know, don't don't get complacent. You don't want to fall into a place like, oh, we'll take some time off while the iron's hot. You know, you keep running with it, and uh, so we lined that up right away. And they they have uh, an idea of an opponent right now, but you know they got that could change. You know, three months is a lot a lot of time for a lot of things to go wrong or happen. So, so as of right now, February seventeenth again at the Philadelphia Armory in Philly, and and uh, I'm excited. A little closer to home, you know. So hopefully have a little bit bigger of a crowd. And we we still had a great showing out of State College. You know, I again it was perfect. Everything went great, and and uh, it's hard to ask for more. You know, at this at this point, you know. Yeah. So take it as it comes. So question. Well, I have a bunch of questions now. Let them um, so you, uh, you said February 17th. I, I, I saw somewhere else February 3rd. Did that date change or something? 
Yeah. Uh, maybe I got that wrong. <laughs> I, I thought I thought I saw February third, but I could be completely it, wrong. Yeah, he he. I right here. We got that booked February seventeenth. Okay. Um. No, no, it did get changed to the third. I read that text wrong. He had booked it for the seventeenth, but it got changed it? to the third yep. because of a gun show. There you go. Thanks for that correction. That no problem. So February <laughs> February third, uh, yes. Scott Clymer will be making his second MMA fight in in Philadelphia. Yes. So I'll help you out yeah. with that, dude. You're you man. <laughs> You're the pro here. <laughs> no, no, no problem. Um, okay, so you fought at a catchweight for this fight. Yes. And you have previously fought at 45? 55. 55. Okay, so yeah. – and you fought this at – those were amateur fights, though. Are you, I mean, are you going to fight pro at 45, 55? Where are you going to be at? Well, you know, I, when, you, when you wrestle and you cut weight as long as I have, you got to get to a point where it's like, yeah, we're done with that, you know? And so 55 was, was easy. Um, and I, I'm, not a, I'm not an idiot. You know, I see these UFC guys walking around at 180, 185, and they're cutting to 55, uh, you know, soaking wet. I might hit 170. Um, I just – I don't want to cut to 45. And so got down to about the 53, 54 mark. And it really wasn't that bad. And I, like I said, we sat in the hot tub twice Wednesday night. And, uh, and I actually got down to 46. And, and uh, it was really easy. It kind of cracked that barrier a little bit. Last time I weighed 146 was 2011 when I was wrestling 149 in college. And so I, I kind of shocked myself a little bit. And, you know, again, my coaches just smiled because they know. You know, they said that, like, you're a 45-pounder. And, um, and so after seeing that and feeling it, and I felt great. You know, it was just like, it was a no brainer. And, and, uh, you know, yeah, you want to take it a little bit serious. You got to make a little bit more sacrifice. So 45 is, is where I will be competing and, and running with that. So that's, that's why great. was it 150? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. So I'm not sure why it was at 50. So they offered you that when Bellator offered you the fight, did they originally offer it at 150 a catch weight? Yes. Yeah. That was, uh, I don't, I don't know if, if Mike, uh, putting him got a little heavy, you know, because he hadn't fought in a little while. And I know he, you know, through his interviews and the articles that I've been reading, he was trying to make his way back down to 45. And I think in one of the articles I actually read, he was trying to maybe go 35. Um, so I don't know if that was like, a, well, you're, you're just coming back, so we'll, we'll make it at 150, make it easy on both of you. So, but yeah, it worked out in our favor. Yeah, so when uh... – Scott, when I was checking you out, I, I pulled up your Twitter. And I got to tell you, your Twitter made me very, very happy and made me a fan because um, I don't know if you're aware of this, but I'm, I'm a fellow Christian. My, my full-time um, gig is in ministry. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm in full-time ministry. And so this is uh, our little, you know, our little side thing. Yeah. And, and uh, so, yeah, when I saw your, um, you know, your bio and like how seriously you take your faith and, and that it was very uh, encouraging to me. And so, yeah, chalk one up uh, in the fan club. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Love seeing a fellow brother of Christ, you know, in the, in the cage and uh, fighting for, uh, you know, someone to, you know, represent, right? I, I, I love it. I, you know, I, I, uh, 
I can't watch Benson Henderson's walkout song enough. I mean, yeah. I mean if that doesn't give you chills. I, I don't know what does, you know, and, and uh, yeah, no, I, I love it. I love, I love hearing fighters after they win, you know, you know, first and foremost, they give the glory to God. I mean, I mean, it's without hesitation, you know, and, um, and you see that, you see that in the past, like the passion of, of their, their competing and, and they realize, you know, they, it could go south very quickly, you know, and, and there is a lot to it. And it is, it is a blessing to be able to compete doing what we're doing, you know, and, yeah. and it can be taken away very, very quickly. And so to take that lightly would be a foolish thing to do. Uh, so yeah, we, we have a platform and, and, uh, and it's crazy. And so when, when it does stand out to the right people, it's, it's huge, you know, so it's, it, uh, we're very blessed again, blessed. We're blessed to have this opportunity. Amen. When did you start wrestling, Scott? Uh, we started wrestling in fifth grade, me and my brother, Ben, um, we started wrestling in fifth grade. We, we did every sport, you know, before that, my dad, uh, was a, a big time athlete himself. He, he was, a he came from a small Christian school, Faith Christian Academy, where my brother now coaches and teaches. He, uh, he did soccer, baseball, and basketball. He was very successful with all three. Uh, he actually played baseball back in the day in, like, the Connie Mack League with uh, Jamie Moyer. You know, so, like, he, he came up with, like, uh, a lot of the good ones. And um, they didn't have wrestling. They didn't have football. And, you know, of course, as, as we came along, we did the football. We did the soccer. We did everything. And my grandfather, who actually started coaching – for Penn Ridge junior high. And then later on the high school, uh, he taught, he taught himself how to teach and coach by reading books. They, they had a vacant position for the junior high and they were just like, Hey, you want it? And so that's how he started getting into it. So he actually suggested to my father, you should make these guys wrestle a year and see how it goes. Um, so it was an experiment and, and we both took to it immediately and, and really never looked back. So you immediately li- liked wrestling. Yes. Oh, I wish I could say the same about my boys. <laughs> they would quit in a heartbeat if I let them, but I don't. <laughs> Stick with it, man. Stick with it. I got a 12-year-old brother, and every year he says the same thing. He's like, I quit. I'm yeah, not well, doing it again. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I didn't have the dad growing up to push me to do it, and I regretted it all the time. I wish I would have grown up wrestling. I oh, wrestled yeah. for two years or a year and a half or something, and then my parents split, and I didn't have that dad to say, no, you're wrestling, period. Oh, yeah. So um, I'm that dad now. That's it. Well, he, he was very, not pushy, but he understood baseball. He knew soccer, you know? And so those are the sports where he was a little bit more adamant about. Wrestling was, he had no idea. He couldn't tell you what a switch was or an escape or a takedown. So he was very hands-off. And I think that made that a little easier. You know, and obviously once we kept finding success and he understood it more, then the younger brothers got pushed on a little bit more, mm. you know? So he had, he, he gained a lot of knowledge through, through the years. And um, yeah, so he's, he, he, he did it right. Yeah. So, so then you, you move on to, did you get a scholarship, uh, a wrestling yeah. scholarship to Liberty? I did. I did. I coach Castro picked me up and, uh, I'm actually going down there in, in uh, the next two, two, three weeks down there. I'm getting inducted into the, uh, into the club hall of fame down there. Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped. I, I, to be honest, I, the only person that pops into my head 
from Liberty Athletics is Eric Green. Do you remember Eric Green? Did he play football at the Packers? He played football with the Steelers. You know, the, the Steelers. The team on the good side of the state. There you go. <laughs> the good guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was a big, huge tight end. He was he was pretty unbelievable, but you're probably too young for that. You're what? Like 20? Well, they, they have the only reason I know his name is because in the football shrine that they call their locker room, which is oppressive. They have the picture of all their guys that went pro, you know, and they have a list of the pro teams that picked them. And yeah, they, they've put out, they've put out a few. He was huge. Let me just tell you, he was like, he was like an offensive lineman running down the field. It was unbelievable. Um, So, so you, you go to college, you wrestle and tell us more about how this whole thing came about with MMA, because it's not your traditional uh, entry into MMA. No, no. So I, I, I finished wrestling um, at Liberty, and uh, we, we, we got Title IX uh, going into my senior year. And so, you know, we got put into this club division, which after being a Division One, especially a wrestler, uh, going to the club division, it is night and day, you know, when it comes to the, the competition that you're going against, your preparation for it. And so we were left with a really bad taste in our mouth. And for me, you know, my redshirt junior year, I was having an unbelievable year. Uh, Justin Gagey, who's now at the UFC, I, I wrestled him tough and, and was placed in all the tournaments. And then I got a little sloppy with my academics and became ineligible in the second semester. But there was still a really good, like, hype coming into that last year. Like, you know, ranked in the top 15. We're going to have a good team next year we get cut and then we go to a club division. So my book, even though it was done, closed with my wrestling, never satisfied that itch of competing. Um, I'm a highly competitive person anyway. So I floated around for a little bit. My dad owns a construction company. Uh, I've been working with him since I was 12. And so came back home to PA and just wasn't having it. You know, I was trying to help out coaching here and there. My family's very important to me. But, uh, but I needed a, a change of scenery. And so my buddy from college, Eli Sanchez, um, was from California. And he had been bugging me from like 2013 to 2015 every month. You got to come out and visit. You got to come out and visit. You'll love it. So I finally, New Year's Eve, was telling my best friend from, from uh, college, who was my wrestling partner, um, about it. And uh, he was like, right now, Let's get that ticket, send you out there. So I bought a one-way ticket. Uh, two weeks later, I left for San Jose, California, and uh, just to teach wrestling at their jiu-jitsu gym, smash gyms. Um, it was killing it with the wrestling club, loving every minute of it. And uh, Eli's older brother, who started the gym, was like, why don't you put on a gi? And I was like, no. You know, like, I didn't want to do jiu-jitsu at all. Um, but again, he – Kind so of wait, took wait, over. wait, what was it about jujitsu that you like really didn't want any parts of? It was too slow. It was too slow. Um, and and it, it wasn't too technical because I love being technical in my wrestling. Yeah. Um, but it was, it just didn't appeal to me, I guess. But uh, after Rudy kind of pushed it and pushed it and pushed it, it was just like, all right, fine, we'll do it. You know, then you start competing a little bit and I found success. And it was another competition thing that was like, all right, it comes a little bit natural. It goes hand in hand with wrestling. We're going to run with it. And so 
for about a year, you know, I took it serious and we competed and went down to LA and won a tournament down there. And so and, what were you competing in? Uh, in the IBJJF. Okay. Um, so gi, so gi and no gi competitions. Uh, and, and it was a blast, you know, it was one of those things where you, you knock it at first and then it's like, all right, it wasn't that bad. Um, and at the time, uh, one of the other instructors there, Manny Rocha, grew up in Stockton with the Diaz brothers, great boxer, trained down at Jackson, Winkle Johns in, uh, in uh, New Mexico and Albuquerque. And uh, Manny just blew my mind with the boxing side of it. You know, I, I knew the wrestling and I knew all the little details and it's a chess match. Every opponent is different. There's, there's so many factors. And, but then you think you get a good hold on it, and then it's like, well, let's show you jujitsu, And then you start from square one again. And then Manny came in, and, and me and him would be at the gym all day together, you know, in between classes. And so we'd start hitting mitts, and he would spar with me lightly. And, and for me, the boxing side of it, uh, I was hooked. You know, and, and, you know, some people are out there for blood. For me, it's just like it, it's a never-ending cycle of learning. And when things click, you go through the roof in excitement. And, and uh, you know, I didn't ever fight out there. You know, uh, I got a little heavy. You know, I was about buck 84, you know, lifting a lot. And, and so it wouldn't have been good if I, if I did start fighting. Um, but then I came back to PA and uh, I, I missed it, you know. And, and uh, so Henzo Gracie and Hatfield, my brother, had just started a wrestling team with this new small Christian school that he was with. And they didn't have a wrestling room. So Rich Lotta was like, have practices here. So my brother was like, hey, I know you got into the MMA thing out there. We practice at an MMA gym. Come help me coach and then stick around and fool around afterwards. And uh, hit the ground running with them. And, and Rich was good. You know, for about six, seven months, he, he didn't put the idea to fight in my head. You know, he wanted to see how, how uh, serious – I took it as far as showing up for classes and, and how much I wanted to be there. And, uh, and when he thought I was ready, he was like, Hey, let's get an amateur fight. And so it was about a year and a half of California. And then about two years back in PA, about a four year process before we finally took it and ran with it. So what, at what point did you realize like, Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm training to fight mixed martial arts here. To be blatantly honest. Um, I, I was just doing it as a hobby. You know, I just, uh, I'm a competitive person. I am all over the place, you know, and so it just fit hand in hand with what I was doing, working construction during the day, help coach a little bit afterwards, go in and, and hit a bag and, and beat up people, you know, as far as each other. Um, and even, even after the first three amateur fights that I had, you know, it was like one of those things where it's like, you know, in, in one sense I was praying to be, untouched and successful and at the same time part of me was like you give me or show me a reason why i shouldn't be doing this and i'll take it and that's it you know but the reason never came you know we we kept finding success and we kept staying healthy and and you kept meeting these these other individuals uh for contacts and connections and it was just like all right we're going to keep going with it and um and then we hit like a year hiatus where i took off and, and focused on working and and then bump into jane online and the possibility of fighting with Bellator that is when it kind of hit me like all right this is a little bit more serious but it really hit me when I was standing at the Bryce Jordan Center in the middle of the cage before anybody got into the stadium and you're looking up and they have the electric billboard banner running around 
Bellator 186. You're standing in the cage and you're not seeing uh, Jack's home fries and Mandy's water <laughs> ice. You're seeing Monster Energy and Burger King and Dave and Buster's, all, all these big time sponsors that you see through the TV. And I'm standing on it. And, uh, and that's when it really hit home like, what, what an opportunity, you know? Right. And, and, uh, and that, that kind of fueled another fire. It did. It really, really did. So, but there was not a point where you're, you're training and you're, you know, obviously a, 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 a very, very high level wrestler. And then you start right. to learn some jujitsu and then you're throwing some boxing in. There wasn't a point where you're like, Whoa, like I'm on my way to MMA. I mean, there was the thought of it. Yeah. But it was almost like, are you thinking of it as a hobby or? Yeah, it was a hobby. And it was like, whenever I was training with people, you know, they were the fighters. I was the one, I was the wrestler that just happened to be just good enough at everything else that I could give them good looks and good workouts and a good practice partner. And that's just how I thought, you know, that's just how I think even to, to, to this day, it's like, I look at it sometimes and it's like, no, they're the ones that want to make this their career and go full blown. I'm just a body here, you know? And, and, uh, and that, that's kind of how I always do things. I, I do downplay it. You know, I did it in college with matches, whether it was a, a Joe Schmo or, or it was the number one kid in the country. Um, I just, I always kind of put myself on the outside of the bubble. Like, you know, I'm expected to lose a lot can go wrong. And then from there, everything's just positive, you know? And, and I don't know if that's the best way to look at it, but, but it helps me be a little bit more calm. It helps me focus uh, the realistic, that, that's the word I'm looking for right there. Realistic. I'm, I'm, I'm almost too realistic when it comes to that stuff. So, so realistically, yeah, I'm an MMA fighter, you know, but, uh, but I just keep, I just keep downplaying it. Uh, it keeps you humble, you know? And, and yeah. um, well, there's nothing yeah. that's going to keep you more humble than training MMA. I mean, Absolutely. I think those guys, uh, you know, just being around fighters and, and, and whatnot, there, there's a lot of humility in this oh. sport. Um, absolutely and i think it's just from going to the gym each and every day and you're unless you're uh pretty dynamic you're not going to be you're going to get beat down at, at, at some absolutely. point well even even when you are the dynamic one just because you're the most dynamic room in room a you go across the state you know uh got to talk with all the pittsburgh guys um mike wilkinson and, and dom mazuda and and a uh, great henzo affiliate guys uh and they've beaten a lot of our fighters. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you, you can be the king of the castle here, but it's such a small dot compared to what's out there. And you're, you, I don't care who holds the belt, there is somebody better that will take it. And, and that's just, if that doesn't humble you, because just when you think you're the best, you're not. And mm-hmm. you're reminded of it very quickly. So I, I love it. I really do. That's great. Um, I, I really appreciate your time. Um, I know that uh, you have some people you probably want to thank. You have some sponsors that, that you had for Bellator 186. And I know you'll be looking for sponsors for your next fight. Are yes. there any shout outs you want to give or, or anything like that? Oh man, Liberty, Liberty university, you know, for, for kind of kicking it off with the college wrestling there. Uh, my high school coach that really kind of got it started back in the day, Brian class. He, he was a fighter, and we didn't find out until after we all graduated. He was doing it all the way through high school. Um, my brother, Ben Clymer, you know, he, he's, uh, he's my best friend and probably one of my best workout partners. Jordan Steiner, Dan Smedberg, Rich Lada, 
uh, the coaches over at Henzo Gracie MMA, um, but my workout partners. I mean, that's, that's honestly where, where the success comes from. You know, Dave Roberts uh, beats me every day. You know, you got Joe and Jeremy and Eugene and Mike and Kenzie, all those guys. They literally, they're, they're the reason why we're having the success, which is awesome. And then Modern Male Barber, Barbershop, you were my first and only sponsor for Bellator 186, giving me the haircut. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll try to get a couple more for the next one. That's great. That's great, dude. It was, uh, it was a pleasure having you and hearing your story and how you've, uh, you know, you have an exciting future ahead of you. How, how old are you? I'm 29. Years 29 up. years old. <laughs> wow, man. That's a pretty old guy to be making your debut. I know. I know. Trust me. I know it. Hey, look at Randy Couture, man. He, start, he started at like 40. It's okay. I met him. I met him in the lobby of the hotel, and it was like, <laughs> oh, it was awesome. He was actually staying in the, in the room right across from me. So. Was he really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great guy. Yeah, I'm like, wow, Randy Couture stays in the same type of room that I do. <laughs> yeah, so he, he's a real good guy. Um, That's awesome. So, yeah, just appreciate your time. Look forward to following your career. Um, yeah, keep plugging away, my brother. Um, don't forget about the other side of the state because uh, we'd love to see you fight out here in Pittsburgh. And uh, we, uh, we plan on making a trip out there in the next two, three weeks, making a long weekend, getting out to the gym out there, training with everybody. And, and, uh, okay. and when we get out there, we'll definitely let you know. Maybe yeah. Let, give me, are you, are you, who, who's your contact? Are you talking to Isaac or who? Um, or your, your coach I, talking to their coach. It was the coach. Uh, whoever, okay. whoever the coach is for Burrell, um, he was in everybody's corner. Lower Borough. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isaac, Isaac Greeley. Okay, there you go. Yeah, yeah, Greeley. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. He's, yep. he's, he's like the, the, the greatest guy, man. The greatest. He the greatest. is. He's he remembered a, us from high school. We wrestled against him all the time at States. So yeah, it was I, really cool to see him there. That's awesome. I have um, a buddy that, you know, used to wrestle in that uh, wrestle with him as well. Um, okay. That, that is one of my coaches. I, I, I'm, uh, the commissioner of a USC youth wrestling nice, and he's one of the coaches and he, he wrestled with, with Greeley. So he's a good dude. Yeah. yeah but look really, really good there, guy. Buddy. We yes. will. Cool. We will. Sounds good. Let me know. Give me a shout out when you're here. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll get together. Absolutely. Thank you. Bro, right, brother. God bless. We'll talk to you soon. Take care, brother. God bless. I was also able to sit down and speak with, Dominic Mazzotta and Jim you've you've spoken to Dom quite a few times as well um, but this was the first time we got to we got to speak to him since the his Bellator um, 135 debut um, he had previously fought at 145 and he was taking uh, questions he was answering questions this time um what oh you know, <laughs> yeah i didn't i didn't bring that up i did bring up the weight cut um so yeah the <laughs> jim was alluding to a, a a funny story uh we when we were in state college and covering bellator 186 um jim was writing a article and he was talking about uh you know something about dom's jujitsu skills and he said to me, hey, what belt is Dom in jiu-jitsu? And I said, you know what? I, I don't really know. I'll, I'll text him. And it was uh, the night before weigh-ins. And so I texted Dom. And 
And I said, hey, what, what belt are you? And he answers, black. And then about 11 minutes later, I get another text from him that says, I'm done answering questions. The funny thing is, when he answered black, he said that to me in his answer by just answering one word black. Like, I knew he wasn't in the mood to talk. And so I wasn't going to ask him any more questions. I didn't intend to anyway, but I knew I, that wasn't even an option at that point, but he stressed that to me. <laughs> so the weight cut was, uh, and we talked about that as well. So here is our interview. R, you weren't there. Jim Sahara was a little under the weather the last couple of days. A lot. And by a little, I mean, he's a big baby. Um, so here is that interview with Dominic Mazzotta. How do I look? <laughs> you look great. MMA FanCast is here with Dominic Mazzotta coming off of his big Bellator 186 victory. And uh, Dom, it is so good to see you. What's up, Ryan? How you doing, buddy? I'm good. I'm good. You, uh, you walked away with a black eye, didn't you? Yeah, I got a couple stitches. You, you uh you, you've had a couple weeks to heal i see that it, that black eye is pretty much gone getting better oh i couldn't tell if that's a shadow or not it's looking good though brother getting there. so um i want to we we haven't had a chance to catch up i've haven't had my uh dom azada fill in in a couple weeks now so uh um, you know let it soak in a little bit. Yeah. I, I was trying to give you some space. Let it kind of, <laughs> you know. So um, let's talk about your fight. You, you had a, a, a very dominating performance. Um, we talked about, you know, you don't really visualize, or really visualize entire fights. Is that correct? Do I remember that right? I mean, I don't think I ever really said it like that, but um... – I don't watch film. I said that. Yeah, yeah. Well, so did you have you had you visualized the fight before it took place? Yeah, that that was a fight. That I pretty much thought it was going to go similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you couldn't have visualized it much better. I mean, that was that was as awesome and dominating of a performance as I, I would think you could expect. Yeah, I was really excited about that performance and um you know, it's it's sometimes it's the other way around, but when it goes that way, it's always it's always nice, especially when you come out. I had, you know, the stitches, but other than that, just some sore elbows, and it's good when it comes out like that. So, talk to me about you know your um, your last fight was at 145, and you'd fought both at 145, 135. Uh, hadn't made the cut to a 35 in a little bit. Um, how how did that cut go? I, I think there was uh Um yeah, was, I mean it was bad as any cut to thirty five, you know. And I just you know, I, I only I think fought thirty five one time last year and I think it was in September. So it's been a while since since I made one thirty five, so I kinda of forgot how bad it, it sucks, but you know, it sucked just as bad as any time. And really I just gotta be more uh disciplined on my diet. Whenever I get, whenever I get getting closer to the fight, now that I'm older, I think kind of 11 pounds when I, you know, when I was 26 was a lot easier than doing it now. I think I put on, you know, a lot of man muscle and that 
just made me made it a little harder. But you know, um, I think I can definitely make thirty five for the rest of my career, though. No doubt about it. Yeah. So so you're gonna shoot for thirty five and 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 just I just getting used to that cut. You know, you'll now you kind of know. Yeah, I mean, I just you know, I just try to be more disciplined on my diet. Um, I was down when I was down in Florida. I didn't have a scale down there, and I kind of uh, think I just didn't gauge my weight at the right, at the right time. Yeah. You know? So I did a good job when I came back, though. I had, to take two weeks, and, uh, you know, in that two weeks, I think I lost, like, seven pounds, you know, and then I did an 11-pound cut from there. So but when I fought, fought it, like, I think I was, like, 53, 54, whenever I got back into the cage. So that's, I mean – as bad as the weight as the cut sucks, you know I go in back into the cage, pretty dominantly heavy, you know. You, you, you Bellator, look, go ahead. I felt good, you know. The Bellator, the weigh-ins for Bellator are early in the morning, so um, you know I have you know almost two days to recover, two four days. So you know it's it's not too bad. Yeah, you you absolutely looked uh you looked really good in the cage. Um, I wanted to ask you, because I, I haven't had a chance to catch up with you. After the fight, you looked like you were fired up and you were looking for someone specific. I don't know if that was Rich or, or who you were looking for, but you were looking for someone to, to uh, you were fired up. Yeah, well, I was asking, I was asking for a mic. I, I said, you know, I want him to give me a mic. And I was looking for Rich. Yeah, I was looking for Rich to tell him. Then I went to Mike McDonald, and then um, they wouldn't give me a mic. I knew that they were going to give me give me, and I tried my best. <laughs> but, uh, and then you know, I got to say it on the camera. Um, you know, they bleeped. I said, you know, for a little word, in there with it, but they bleeped it out. And uh, then I, I got to see Rich after the fight, and I went up to him and Scott were sitting at the table. I went up to him and told him that I wanted to fight Mike. Um, but I, I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I think he has a fight scheduled already, so I'm yeah. looking just get a fight now. So how, how does that kind of work? Um, what works? How does that work next? Like, do you wait for them to contact you? Do you have your manager contact them? Like, what, what's yeah. the time frame of all that? Yeah, they they'll we just stay in touch. You know, whenever whenever they're looking for somebody. We'll say that we're ready, you know, which we always we always are. But um, you know, if there's a you know, big money fight coming up and we're not in it, you know, we'll tell them that we're ready for a replacement fight, you know, just something anything. We'll always just stay in contact with them. But we'll find something soon. We'll get something for me. Yeah, so if if it's not Mike McDonald, if you had your choice, have you taken a look at the at the uh, Bantam weights in Bellator's Man, division? I, I I don't know, Joe. I would like to fight Joe Warren. You know, he's somebody I always looked up to in sports. So I, you know, a legend. Now I want a big fight. I'm ready for big fights. Um, you know, Pitbull. Um, I'd fight Pitbull. Don't you know? Don't I'd fight any of them guys. You know, I would. I want one of the top guys. I'm not getting any younger. You know, so you know, any anybody. It'd be nice to get a nice easy fight, you know, if they another easy fight if they want to try to build me out. But you know, I'm trying to make some money, so yeah, 
big fights. I'm ready, you know, at 35. I feel like I'm, you know, especially working with Henry now, down at that camp. I think really I'm going to be unstoppable at 35. So I really want big fights soon. So uh, with your contract with Bellator, is there a, a pay difference if you're on an undercard versus on the main card? Or is there how, – how are those differences work? I mean, yeah, but that's – yeah, they, there, there is, but, you know, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, no, you don't have to talk – numbers. I mean, but there's a – you get yeah, more I mean, money get, to be on a main card. You get more money being on the TV card, you know, for sure. Yeah, good. I didn't take a pay cut for, to be on that, to be on the undercard. But I wanted to be on it, so – you know what I'm saying? I want, you know, but um, I still got another fight in the contract, so hopefully the next one's on TV. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So do do you, like, do searches and, like, do you follow the rankings and all that stuff? Um, Not really. Some kind of – I just look at – I don't really know who – I don't know the Bellator rankings now. Yeah, I, I, I just did some searches – um, I just did some searches and, and was looking at um, not Bellator, but there's a, a, a site that ranks all the Bellator fighters. It's called scorecardmma.com, and they have you ranked as the number seven Bellator oh, uh, weight right now. Nice. So, so I, anybody above that list, that's who I want to fight. <laughs> there you go. Joe Warren's there, McDonald's there, obviously Caldwell. and sure some good names for you to uh to to work your way up that ladder nice um okay so how you have fought looking back at your career your pro career you fought like anywhere between three and five times a year so you've been very active and this year you're only going to get in two fights do you want i mean how quickly do would you ideally get back in the cage um you know i'm looking to fight again um, in the cage January, February, but, um, I'm trying to do a boxing match, looking for a boxing match in Pittsburgh, um, make my boxing pro debut, um, in December, I'm going to look for something, but, um, if I don't find something, then I'll look to get in the cage January, February. So you have flexibility with other, uh, competing. You can, you can fight if they, you know allow you, you know if they don't have you on a court at amount of time then you can do something else on the side but not in mma it has to be in i don't know i think you can do mma too i think so okay, okay. i think i can play local mma courts even yeah <coughs> i wouldn't i'd just do boxing and kickboxing um so what what um i was trying to kind of figure out your like what's your routine with your with your schedule and i see you like you got right back in the in the training regimen with i saw like pictures on facebook you training with mark like i don't know like the next week after the state college fight so what do you have a regular schedule or do you do you have a lot of flexibility with your schedule different people you're training well, with um we pretty much yeah we have this a pretty set schedule between me and mike wilkins we just you know, we go back and forth um, between our gyms, and it's pretty much, you know, um, you know, one one day I think we do one day a week here during the week, one day a week there, and then um, 
during weeks, and then I'll go there on Saturdays. Some, you know, we'll all go there. Isaac will come too on Saturday mornings. I teach there, and then um, where'd you go? So I teach there, and then we do sparring. That's like the day everyone comes, and then uh, yeah, but I pretty much yeah, I have a schedule. Besides going with my coaches, I got you know stand up coaches that I kind of mixed up with um, whenever their schedule fits. But I got a routine that I do, yeah. So you're you're at Stout two, maybe three times a week, roughly? Um, yeah, um, during camp, it just depends, really. But sometimes America, two days. Yeah, it's two days during the week sometimes, and then on the weekend, one day. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they're there two, a day or two, they come down here. But it's not just Mike. There's some other guys that come, you know, and it just depends on, you know. So how many guys out of Matt Factory are are taking pro like uh, fights or taking MMA fights? Um, just me right now, I guess. Me and Francis, of course. You know, um, Dempsey. Um, Dempsey's. I think he, I don't. I don't know if he said what he's doing yet. If he's retiring or if he's going to look for a fight. But um, yeah. I mean, pretty much we just me and Francis right now. Um, our amateurs, we had Dylan Weston, but, uh, you know, we've been uh, just focusing on me right now. Do you have any uh, – are there any young young guys in the um, – Right now coming up, we not, – not really, not anybody that were uh, – that really were um, MMA. But jiu-jitsu, we got some guys coming out. Noah, um, Noah DeVore. You know, he's one of the top guys in, in the East Coast competing right now. Um, so we got, you know, we got a different array of, you know, wrestling. You know, it's always, we got guys pumping out the wrestling. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we got a little bit of everything there. But uh, MMA, we just got, just, just pretty much focusing on me right now. But like I said, it's more really, it's we got um everybody we all work together you know what i mean so yeah, absolutely. as five six fighters it's just they're just you know from other gyms that you know we're kind of all just training together yeah you guys do a good job of uh not being segregated in in your own fight camp it, it, it's gonna it helps each all of you out i'm sure um yeah for sure i mean i don't know what mark's gonna do he'll probably He'll probably fight out of the Matt Factory now. I don't know what's going to go on with him. Oh, so he might not stay with Con. I mean, uh, be, I mean it, but yeah, I mean, it just, that's what I mean. So he'll probably stay. It's going to be called the Academy or something, I think, now. So I don't know exactly what he's going to do. Yeah, it, it, in hindsight, it looks like you guys were kind of hinting at that or something was up when, when I had talked to you guys uh, at the Matt Factory. That he kind of knew he was trying to get that deal arranged. Yeah, yeah, there was. Um, um, it was in the works. Yeah, there was a couple of things in the works, but I'm glad it worked out for, for them. Comma should, you know, that's a position Comma should be in. Yeah, we are uh, so um, excited for you and and with with your Bellator career like starting to take yeah. off and. I'm excited too, dude. I mean, it's been a long time coming. It's, nothing's been been hard, been easy for me in this sport. So uh, 
and I had to earn every inch of the way that I got. So I'm glad it finally started to pay off. And I think that then uh, 2018 is going to be a big year for me. It's been Bellator and getting me close, if not get getting the title. I, I solidly believe that you're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with in this division and, and uh, a, a real tough guy to, to, for any one of those guys to handle. Um, you had a great opportunity today. You had a, uh, a speaking engagement. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, the uh, Lower Brook Flyers are the football organization that's been active here, you know, for I don't even know how many years, like 150 million years they've been doing football here. I had the honor of speaking in front of the kids here today. It was, uh, it was a real uh, good experience, humbling, of course. The kids uh, always love giving back to the kids. And Flyers, I was part of the organization for a short time. But I was always around them and the uh, football team. You know, my friends played on it, and um, the coaches there, they do an awesome job. It's just nice to see a community of people that, you know, stick together. You know, they support me. I support them, you know, and we all just try to do the best for the kids so that, uh, you know, everybody, the community can prosper. That's great. You said something during um, – I watched it, watched the um, – speech you gave and i it's a very quotable quote you said everyone that has ever done something great was told they couldn't do it before they did it and i i love that quote was that was that something you wrote or was that recorded? I, don't know I, I mean I, i'm sure somebody probably have said it before me you know but, but you didn't get it from somewhere you just kind of wrote that i just just came up with it i mean it's just it's probably been said by somebody else that that's a great quote i'm i'm quoting it to you dominic that dominic mazada Quote, everyone that has ever done something great was told they couldn't do it before they did it. That's true. Good. Um, I appreciate your time. Jobs would say. What's that? Sounds like something Steve Jobs would say, right? (laughs) Maybe. I I so appreciate your time. Um, would you be, would you be interested in closing with a promo warning all of the bantamweights? (laughs) In Bellator? Uh, no, don't make me do that right now. Okay, okay. I won't <laughs> make you do it right now. But, hey, you're, that's going to be the next promo you give us, okay? You're our promo hype man. You got to, you know. But hey, I would like to say, um, you know, you know, um, I'm from, I don't know if you've heard about the cop that, that got killed in New Kensington. No. But Brian Shaw and those members of his family and his dad and his, his brother and um just it's a terrible thing and rest in peace to him and everybody please give your prayers to their family They're, he was a great guy just no one deserves that and the uh i don't think that uh, i have family members that are cops and i just don't think that cops get the uh respect that they deserve and the pay that they deserve or anything in it you know just I commend our boys in blue, and I just want to say, uh, you know, and keep keep Brian Shaw in your prayers if you haven't heard about the tragedy. Um, you know, if you were, I will I will definitely look out, and and I appreciate that um, that, and I'm sure his family will appreciate those prayers, and uh, yeah, that, that's uh, definitely heartbreaking, and uh, we will. We'll definitely get um, those prayer that prayer circle going, brother. Yeah, man. All right, thanks for having me. Ryan. All right, brother. Nice talking to you. Nice catching up with you. Looking forward to looking forward to what's Any next. Any more, right? What's that? 
many more. We'll do we'll do uh we'll do dessert next time. All right, sounds good, brother. All right, see you later, guys. Take care, bud. And that will just about wrap us up for this very, very special episode of MMA Fancast brought to you by Octagon247.com. Jim, do you have any parting words for the listeners who are uh, just heard from Scott Clymer, just heard from Dominic Mazzotta, and are getting ready for the last month and a half well, not quite a month and a half, but maybe five weeks of 2017. What do you, how, how do you how do you part this show, Jim? How well, do you do just uh, just with um, with those two guys. If you're looking for um, two good guys to um, to follow who are going to do some good things, and by good I mean good things um, in the world of MMA and uh, more specifically Bellator. These are two that you can probably hang your hat on. Um, Scott Clymer is new to Bellator. Obviously, Dom Mazzotta is, but we know much more about Dominic Mazzotta. Um, and we've seen him fighting a couple times in person. We know the type of uh, game that he brings. And these are two, two guys that uh, are exciting fighters. And if, if you're looking for somebody that uh, is going to be positive both inside and outside the ring, you don't have to look any further. Amen, brother. Well, we uh, know you have Thanksgiving coming up, and so we wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving. Enjoy your family. Enjoy the feast. Enjoy the fellowship that comes along with Thanksgiving. Uh, Make sure you uh, spend that time and enjoy that time with your families. And uh, that wraps us up. So for this 50th episode of MMA FanCast, this is Ryan Middleton signing off. On behalf of Jim Saharamuni, saying God bless and good night.